Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The blood of Jesus still cleanses still covers hallelujah I want to read one verse of scripture to you this morning out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 this is for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God I'm going to read it again because it's the word of God and it's good. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's not even just to those that have been saved, but to us who are being saved. Speaks of a progressive work of God. Knowing that the cross is so powerful, it doesn't just end when I get saved, but it moves through my entire relationship with God. For the message of the cross is full of us to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Father, I pray that you would just speak to us. Can we go, O oh Lord? To the very core of the gospel and be enriched today help us to never be ashamed help us to never hold back from the cross Father, I pray before we leave here that power would be released into everybody's life. Let every believer sense the press of the power of the cross. We thank you for it, Father. And the church shouted. Come on, y'all, one more time. The church shouted. On this Resurrection Sunday morning, the church shouted. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you so much, team. Hallelujah. I want to begin with this statement. The cross is the very power of God released. I'm preaching this morning on the message of the cross. The message of the cross. Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's power to those of us that believe. You know, we're into revival around here. Some people... Some people 
Say, you're into it too much. Can you talk about anything else? I can hardly preach any message without saying revival. Even if it don't make sense, let's go revival. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul speaks of the cross of being an offense. And I was thinking about the, the, the parallel of authentic revival is also offensive. And so the reason really revival is offensive is that authentic revival will always bring you back to the cross. Where there's a place full of revivalists, the cross would not be a, a strange message. But unfortunately, much of the modern church today, the true message of the cross is something we don't really hear much about. So Paul says this, he says, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. If you understand this text, Paul is suggesting here that if he were to preach circumcision, it would have been a more popular message than the cross. This, this is what we see when you look at the context of the scripture. And so, he, so Paul just kind of shoots back. And uh, he, so, he says, so he says to them, okay, okay, look, look, I would be more popular if I preached circumcision. So, I, so you know what? I, I, and that means the cross, the message of the cross would cease. So he said, no thanks. I'll just keep preaching the cross. I'll just keep preaching the cross. And even though it may be offensive, he said, I'll keep preaching the cross. They were trying to get Paul to ease off this, this preaching and this message of the cross because it was bothering them and it was rubbing their religious sensibilities the wrong way. Don't you hate when you go to church and the preaching of the word rubs your religious sensibilities the wrong way? That, mean, that, that means just, it, it's not comforting. It's not satisfying. It's, that's not what I want to hear about God in my life. I, I, I would rather hear, you know, hey, hey I, I would rather hear that he loves me and he has a wonderful plan for my life. Well, you know what? That's true. But unless you say he loves me and has a wonderful plan in my life and you've got to repent of your sins and be born again, to have then, then you're only getting half the message. And so in the modern church, it has done its very best, I truly believe, um, knowingly or unknowingly, to make the cross and the message of the cross more acceptable. You know what I've learned? I've learned that acceptability always comes with a price. I have learned in order to make something acceptable, 
that you have to pay a price to cause people. See, many people think the preacher's job is to present and advertise Jesus in such a way that everybody would want him. No, really the preacher's job is to preach who Jesus is and then let the Holy Spirit touch somebody's heart and then they receive Jesus for who he is in reality and in the way the gospel message says that we're supposed to encounter Christ. Yes? And so, so, so unfortunately, much of the church has sanitized the message of the cross. You, you know what it means to sanitize something? It means to make it more plausible by removing elements that are unacceptable and controversial. To sanitize the gospel means I'm going to create a gospel that makes it easier for people to tolerate. But the cross, any way you slice it, according to Paul, is an offense to our neat, anemic, powerless Christianity. Because he says here that the message of the cross to us who are being saved is the power of God. And so if I am not experiencing and living out the power of God in my life, the cross offends me. Because the cross demands that there be a release of power. Jesus didn't just die on that cross and everything go weak. Jesus died on that cross and released the very power of God. If you really, church, if you really want to see God and all his power, then let us look at the cross. It was at the cross that God and Christ conquered sin conquered self and conquered Satan. It was all on the cross that Jesus paid the price for all of our forgiveness, all of our freedom that we would ever need, uh, that, that, that we would ever need, all that we would ever need and more. He paid the price. Jesus died on that cross. And three days later, he got up, he got up, he rose up. And when he got up, he had defeated death and he had defeated every demon and hell and on earth. I'm talking about the power of the cross. You got to understand it is so powerful. God don't play with it. Isn't it true that we in the church play with so many things? What is serious about the message of the cross? And I am under this conviction this morning, church. There never has the church been in more need of the preaching of the message of the cross than today. You see, let me just kind of put it in a nutshell for you. The message of the cross is the sum total of all Jesus accomplished and has made available to us through the finished work of the cross.
I, I really wonder sometimes how many of us really understand the gospel. Can, can I just give you the gospel in a nutshell? I know I'm preaching to the choir, but bear with me. Let's first talk about the context of the gospel. The context of the gospel is this, is that all of humanity is born broken. We are born broken and we live in a broken world. All the people in the world are broken. The planet itself, broken. Why? Because it all is under the sway of the curse of sin. The consequence of sin as something as a principle, spiritual principle that fills the atmosphere. We are born broken. And unless we have an encounter with the God of restoration, we will be born broken, we will live broken, and we will die broken. Because man can't fix himself. Man can't figure, man can't even fix each other. And all of those that want to fix the planet, work all you want to. It's under the curse and the weight of sin. And it's rocking and it's reeling and it's crying out for the sons of God to be manifest. I'm trying to give us a context why there even is a gospel, why there even is a good news. It's because we're born broken. And the only thing that will ever change that if we are born again. God is the only one that can put us back together because he made us. That's the context of the gospel. That's why there is a gospel. That's why there is need of a gospel. That's quite humiliating to humanity to, to, to admit that we can't fix it. That's when we have humanism. Humanism is, is man's way of poking his finger in the face of God is to watch how we can get better without you. But thousands of years have passed and we're worse than they yet. He said, why don't God just leave us alone? Do you understand if God left us alone that there would be nothing on this planet but perversion, murder, anger, hatred, selfishness, jealousy, just a bunch of broken people emoting on one another. If God left humanity to himself, you better thank God that he sent Jesus into this people planet. Which brings us out of the context into the content of the gospel. What, 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 what is 
the content of the Gospels. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The content of the gospel is that Jesus was born of a virgin. As magnificent and brilliant as that is, do you realize if he was only born of a virgin, he could, could not save us. Born of a virgin, he came, lived a sinless life. And then died on the cross. Three days later, resurrected. Forty days later, ascended. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Ever interceding for all of humanity. Praying for the broken people. You wonder why we praise the way we praise, shout the way we shout, dance the way we dance, preach the way we preach, because we understand, because, look, because we understand the context and we understand the content of the gospel, that there was a sacrificial substitutionary Savior hanging on a cross. You know what that means? I should have been on that cross. You should have been on that cross. Uh, my sin is enough to put me on that cross, but he came and he said, I'll take your place. I'll take your place. I'll take your place. He looked at a whole planet and said, I will take your place. Generation after generation after generation of broken, sinful people, I'll take your place. So if you understand the context and you understand the content, then surely you understand the conflict. The conflict is now. What do I do? What do I do with the content? What do I do? Do I really buy into the fact that I'm broken? Or do I just keep trying to get better? But keep failing? Do I just keep trying to break that habit, but I keep going? Do I try to treat my spouse better, or do I just, I, I, I'm in a conflict. So I understand the context is that I'm broken. And the content says, my only hope is I put my faith in a Savior. And something he did 2,000 years ago. I'm in a conflict. Do I receive that? Or do I resist that? You see, this is the thing about the message of the cross. It always brings us back to conflict. It brings us back to the place that I have to make a choice. 
just because you've heard me preach this message to this moment, before you leave here, you will make a choice. To run to him or to resist him. All I can do is preach the gospel. I have to trust Holy Spirit in you to work it out. I'm talking about the preaching of the message of the cross. This work that Jesus did on the cross is known as the power of the cross. This power that Paul speaks of here is due to must power. It, it, it is a perpetual power. So it didn't stop at the cross. So many people in their relationship with Christ and the cross stop at the cross. Because it is true, biblically true, through his shed blood on the cross, we are forgiven. You can't take that away. You can't deny that. We are forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is no remission of sin without the shedding. But my concern is that many that have filled churches on this Resurrection Sunday morning on this Easter weekend that many have flooded to churches and at best they only know he died so they could be forgiven. Because nobody is preaching the message of the cross. I should say no one. It's this ongoing dynamic power that was released when Jesus hung on the cross. So what we miss, and I think maybe about me be missing from our presentation of the gospel, the message of the gospel, is that this power that was released is moving in us and around us. And it even moved in front of us to create places of victory for us. So through the cross, we are forgiven. Through the cross, we have freedom. But through the cross, we have this eternal victory. We live here victorious. Then we step out of time into eternity in victory. I, 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 I'm trying to, to get us to understand that this Christian thing is something that we live in victory. Do you understand that one of the greatest moves of God that has ever been on this planet was not Wales, was not the first and the second awakening. It, it, it was not uh, Azusa Street. It was not uh, Toronto. It was not Brownsville. You know what the greatest move of God upon this earth? Uh, uh, you know what it is? You know when it happened? It happened 2,000 years ago when God moved upon the cross of our Christ and released power from his sacrificial death. 
when his son became the sin offering for the whole world, he made a way for us to live in resurrection power. Oh, I talked about it to the men of God yesterday. Resurrection power isn't just something that we that Jesus experienced. Paul prayed that, that, that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead would quicken your mortal bodies. He said there's a power, a mighty power that's moving toward all of those that believe. The same power that raised Christ up from the grave. I will ask you the question that I asked the men of God yesterday. The thing that haunts me, where's all the power? Because we move into churches and we file out of churches Sunday, Sunday after week after week. And where is all that power? Just so you'll know it's in you. Yes? You see... 2,000 years ago, hanging between heaven and earth was the Lamb of God. And from one end of eternity came the wrath of God. And from the other end of eternity came the love of God. And the wrath of God collided with the love of God and released Release dunamis. Why do we need all that power? Because we need to live in this power so we can live out the victory that Jesus won that day. Oh, he won it. But he didn't win it, just say, I won. He won it so you and I could live in it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you see when you look at the cross. Shit, I had him bring a cross up here. I, I don't know what you see when you look at the cross. But let me, as a revivalist, you know what I see? When I look at the cross, I see the price of encounter. Our Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter to the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw, which is Jesus, let us draw with a true heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Did you get that? You see, when I look at the cross, I see that there is a cost to encounter. There's a price that had to be paid so you and I can enter into the presence of our God. 
Oh, y'all ain't hearing what I'm talking about. You see, this is where we can't get lazy. We can't get lazy in our pursuit. We can't get lazy in our praise and our worship. We can't get lazy in our prayers. We can't get sluggish in our pursuit of God. Because the only reason we can go there is because the price has been paid. Oh, somebody help me in this place. So we all understand the reason there had to be a price to be paid is because of our sin. Our sin separates us from God. The reason broken humanity cannot get to God to get healed and to give me hope is because of his sin. The very thing that is killing us is keeping us from it. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to remind us for just a moment how deep, how dark, and how depraved we were before Jesus. Just a moment. I know it's under the blood. I know it's forgiven. I know it's forgotten. But maybe sometimes we need to remember so we can look at the cross and appreciate the price that has been paid. I think sometimes we get way too sloppy with this stuff and we act like it's no big deal. But my sin, your sin, put him on that cross. It's a big deal. And so as a revivalist, you have to understand that people say, oh, I want, a, I want revival. I want revival. I want it in my life. I want it in my church. But what they fail to understand is, is that revival is always an ever unfolding exposure of our sin. So it's been a long time since I thought about my sin. Well, it's been way too long for you. You've been in the, you have been out of the presence of God. You have been out of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he's still the convictor of our sin. I mean, if you want to live a life of sin, live it. But if you really want to be righteous and you get into sin, something ain't right. Something inside of you is going, this ain't right. This isn't me. I have been created for his presence. I'm talking about the message of the cross. Revival confronts the reality of our sin. If I've learned anything in six and a half years of revival, I have learned to live at the foot of the cross. Because the moment we don't want to deal with it is the moment we are in delusion and deception. There's a cost to encounter. The cost was his sacrificial death, his substitutionary death. He went through a lot of pain so we could be in his presence. Stop whining. It's so hard. Do we have to stand that long? Do we have to sing that loud? Really? Come on. He hung up for you and you can't stand up for him?
sister, we're not perfect. No, we're not perfect, but we are in hot pursuit. And listen to me, we're not perfect. But we know this, that when, when you sin, the Holy Spirit is going to deal with it. Well, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to reveal it to you. Because we don't have enough preachers preaching it enough to get us knowing it. But the Holy Ghost will help. He'll come to us. He will reveal our sin to us. At that moment, we have to deal with it. How do we deal with it? The same way you got saved. Faith and repentance. If I've learned anything, I've learned revivalist equals repentance. Constant. And you have to learn how to live and function under the weight of conviction. Because God's not trying to kill you. God's trying to set you free. Because after he reveals it and you deal with it, then he repeals it. He repeals our sin. The word repeal is a legal term, which means to break the force of a legal control or document or contract. In other words, when we fall into sin, we open ourselves up to make a contract with sin and it opens the door for it to come in and mess us up. But when you go to Jesus in repentance and you go to Jesus in faith, there's a moment where he takes your sin and he wipes it clean with the blood of Jesus and then he takes it and he puts it in a sea forgetfulness never to be brought against you and you better shout now if you have been washed in the blood nothing but the blood we already been singing it nothing but the blood of Jesus what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus can make me whole again. I don't know what you see when you look at the cross, but when I look at the cross, I see that the only way to live is to die daily. You know, one of our favorite verses in the Bible is we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And then we shout, but we forget to finish the verse. Because it says we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. You know what that means? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto death. Live or die, it don't matter to me. Live or die. 
live or die. You see, the problem is this way I want to be saved, but nobody wants to die. But I come to tell you, there can be no resurrection before there's a crucifixion. Jesus didn't die just to forgive me. He died to kill me. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And Paul follows that up and he says, I die daily. Did you get it? Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow after me, if anybody's going to pursue me, if anybody's going to say they're a revivalist and their passion is Jesus and you're going to come after me full throttle, then on your way coming after me, you're going to have to stop, get across and die. I love that. Deny yourself and pick up his cross. As far as I know, that's the lowercase h. So his cross ain't Jesus' cross. So somewhere there's a cross with your name on it. Somewhere there's a cross with my name on it. The question is, is did I drop by and pick it up in my hot pursuit? You see, the only way to live in perpetual revival is to die daily. Die daily. Die to what? Well, we got to die to ourselves, obviously. That's, you know, he, he's telling us that you have to die to something for something to live. So we have to die to our agendas and our desires. And our, he says desire right there. Our dreams. You mean, you mean God doesn't want me to have any? No, and it's not that he doesn't want you to have them. He just wants you to die to them. What does that mean? That means trust him. Trust him. If he's giving you a desire, trust him. All your job is to die. And mine. I have to die stuff. Y'all remember when Jesus was, he was talking about a seed. And he was using it in, as a metaphor that he was getting ready to go die on the cross. He said, I'm getting ready to be glorified. But what he meant was I'm getting ready to go to the cross. And then he went in this dissertation of a seed. You got to think about it. Seeds got to be like some of the most miraculous things. The seed is like the most miraculous. It's like you can take a seed and put it in the ground and it brings forth multiple fruit. Or you can eat the seed and you, all you do is eat the seed. But he said, he said, I, I, I'm getting rid of it be glorified and it's just like a seed I'm gonna, I'm gonna be put in the ground and when you put me in the ground I, I'm gonna die but don't worry because I'm gonna bring forth multiple fruit from dying you wanna do something for God 
if we could ever die to self, God could do more in five minutes with our life than we could do in a lifetime. If I die, he could cause me to be multiple, multiple multiplication, fruitful out of your ears. If you can die, right? It's, it's, he, he, the cross demands that we give up our own rights, our own desires, and trust him. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul uses the terminology of the enemies of the cross. I thought this was interesting. He talks about the enemies of the cross of Christ. My first thought, enemies, you know, it's like those people that hate the cross. You know, the people that run around to schools and public buildings and governmental buildings and they, they keep demanding everybody tear down the cross, tear down the cross, tear down the cross. But they're not the enemies of the cross. If you look at the context of the scripture and the phrase, what Paul is referring to are those who refused to submit to the cross. They kept looking for other ways for salvation, but there is no other way. There is no other way. They were looking for the way to get satisfied and to be successful and to become everything they desired to be on their own. But, but he's saying, no, listen, you, you, you're an enemy of the cross. You got to fall at the foot of the cross. You got to die at the cross. Because if you fall and die at the cross, you will be a seed that bears much fruit. I have come to ask you this morning, please do not be an enemy of the cross, but fall at the foot of the cross. I don't know what you see when you look at the cross, but I see hell is defeated and heaven is won. Hell is defeated and heaven is won. Don't you know, all on resurrection morning, it had to be the worst day. Maybe Good Friday was the worst day. Maybe when that sinless, precious blood of the lamb began to drip from his beaten, broken body as they pushed the thorns into his head, nailed him to a cross, and that blood began to spill out everywhere, that Satan began to realize, I think maybe we crossed the line because there's something different about that blood. All oh, the progressives will say there's nothing in it, but I say there's power in it. I say there's power in it. I say there is blood. There is holy blood. God blood dripping all over that place. He touched it and he said, whoa, I can't touch this stuff. You got to remember this church. Hell is defeated. Heaven has won. Paul says in Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities and made public spectacle, I'm almost through, triumphant over them by the cross, triumphed over them by the cross. He's talking about that the devil's head was crushed, not just under the feet of Jesus, but under the cross of Jesus. I have come to declare, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I still believe in applying the blood of Jesus.
Jesus. I did it this morning. I put it on my wife. I put it on my kids. I put it on my grandkids. I put it on some of you. I put the blood of Jesus over this building. Why? Because where the blood is applied, Satan is denied. Somebody say yeah. Get up on your feet and give the Lord a praise in this place. He said, well, if, if hell is defeated and heaven's won, why don't we have spiritual warfare? That's because we have to make sure that loser stays under our feet. Because the cross must be enforced. The victory of the cross must be enforced. I'll never stop pleading the blood of Jesus. That's what they called it in the old church. New church will stay applied. It's much neater and nicer. Or you can use the word appropriate if you want to like be smart. But when you're in the thick of the battle, sometimes you don't have time to think of the big words. Oh, I can say the blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. The cross was a stake. It was driven into the heart of hell. Shockwaves went through it. When the enemy realized he had lost the hold, death was taken from him. What is this stuff? It was his worst day ever. If you want to send the enemy running, speak the blood. Sing about the cross. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.